I've shared this before on the podcast where I grew up in a very religious household, uh, evangelical Christian home, and a church that was evangelical, a community in the Midwest that was evangelical. And so most of my heroes growing up were pastors or speakers or they, you know, I spent so much of my time growing up in the church. Um, I, I, I heard a comedian one time say something about, you know, he was there eight days a week, you know, <laughs> 27 hours a day. And, you know, he grew up in a very religious home as well. And that's my story. So a lot of my heroes tend to be um, people with faith backgrounds and pastors and church leaders, that kind of stuff. So one of them is, his name is Tim Keller. And uh, a few years ago, when I was a little bit jaded with with kind of Christianity and some of the overproduced stuff that we see out there, I went and found, uh, somehow I found him and he was a pastor uh, for 25, 26, 27 years in New York city, Manhattan. And he led the building of a church that reached about 5,000 people. And now in Manhattan, if, uh, if you know anything about New York city and Manhattan, you understand that Manhattan is very much a, um, it's not necessarily a religious hub. You know what? I should correct that and say there's a lot of religion around there. It's not an evangelical Christian hub whatsoever. New York City and a lot of the major you know, cities are that way as well. L.A., Chicago, New York City. So to go to one of those cities, again, I grew up in evangelical you know, Christianity. Uh, if you want to build a mega church and a mega church is defined as a church with 2000 members or more, if you want to build a mega church, you've got to go to, uh, you know, the South or the Midwest or something like that. And it's always, it's always funny to me when I hear, you know, about people who feel called by God to go into these, uh, evangelical cities where, you know, you, uh, it's a little bit easier to build an evangelical church. It's, it's a little harder to go to a place like, New York City or LA. And so he did it. And he built a church of about 5,000 people. And they had, um, you know, different campuses and different venues. And, and, and he did it by not being a cool, hip, young guy, but he did it by being kind of a nerdy. Um, uh, he, he looks more like a professor, right? Which is what he was for, I think, one or two decades before he actually started that church. Um, so that's kind of his background is he was a teacher, a professor. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you see these younger guys that, that kind of go to these, those bigger cities and start a church and, and they do so, uh, by being cool and hip and the skinny jeans and all that. And I'm not, I'm not ragging on either style because both styles work. Right. Um, but you wouldn't assume that somebody who looks like a professor from West Virginia or Virginia, wherever he was from that, you know, that he would make it in a place like New York City, but he did. So I sell that to say this. Uh, I found him several years ago. He knew how to speak to people from New York, which, you know, they tend to be a little bit more intellectual out there. And so you can't just, you know, come up with sayings or, or at least in Manhattan where he was, it was very much in an upper middle class um, group of people society. And they kind of want data and facts and, and not just, you know, what you see in a lot of churches. It's, it's a lot of, uh, as a matter of fact, I was, I was listening to somebody this past week and he said, 
I could offer you a lot of facts. He was talking about the resurrection or something. And he was like, I could offer you a lot of facts, but you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you about how it makes me feel. And that works. You're right. But in a place like New York city, that doesn't necessarily work. They want to know, you know, tell us more about the facts or, or, or at least from a philosophical theological perspective. I say all this to say, this is a gentleman that I've looked up to for uh, several years. He just got a, a diagnosis. Um, I think it was last year in in 2020, stating that he was going to, um, or stating that he had pancreatic cancer stage four, and 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 those of you who know about that diagnosis, you know that it, it's not a great diagnosis. I think as of now, he's received. I don't know, 18, 19, 20 rounds of chemo. And so obviously he's, he's going to hold on as long as he can. So he, he, he was on an interview and he was asked the question, what did you learn during this time? You know, what are the lessons that, 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 uh, that you feel life or God or whatever is showing you during this time. And here's what he had to say. And I thought it was really interesting. Now he used Christian words. So if you're listening to this and you're not, you, you don't necessarily have a Christian background or a faith background or religious. And I would say that evangelical has their own language about certain things. Right. Uh, so I always know when I'm talking to someone who's evangelical because they have a certain way of saying certain things. And so they asked him, what have you learned? And he said he had, he was in a time of prayer one day and he heard he got a word from God. So that what that means for those who aren't evangelicals is that you hear God speak to you somehow or in your mind or something, you get inspiration somehow. And, and you know, you believe in, and, I, and who am I to say this, uh, that they're wrong and who are you to say that they're wrong? But, but somebody who says that they would say that, that God spoke to them, right? Maybe not audibly where you could actually hear it out loud, but they had this sense. And he said the two words that came to him, Okay, and it's one I want to talk about today briefly. The two words were number one was focus, and number two was sanctification. Focus, you know what that is. Okay, so we'll talk about that here here in a second about what he said. But the word sanctification again, it's an evangelical word, and what it means is uh, uh, becoming more like Christ, becoming uh, more Christ-like. That's the process of sanctification. So there would be people who would say, there's a moment where you accept Christ as your personal savior. Again, that's evangelical speak for becoming a Christian. So there's that moment. And then there's a lifelong process of sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ. Let me break that down for those who aren't faith-based. Sanctification is simply, okay, um, it's another word for somebody who's not in the evangelical circles or somebody who's not religious or secular or whatever they would say that they're on a lifelong journey of what we've been talking about the last several weeks of this idea of personal mastery. So they would say that it is, um, it's this journey to becoming the, the highest person that you can possibly become while you're here on earth. And I've heard evangelicals say something like, you know, I'm not going to die until the day comes that I've reached my full potential. So God's not going to take me home. God's not going to release me from this world until I've reached my full and highest potential. I, I, now, now I will say, and, 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 and you're listening to somebody who is um, of the evangelical faith, right? That's, you know, uh, I think I tend to have a worldview and, and I love to you know talk to anybody from all religions, but that's, that's kind of my foundation. 
I don't necessarily know how true that statement is that, you know, God's not going to take me home. And, you know, I think people die in car accidents all the time that probably weren't ready to go or didn't reach their full and highest potential. They get, you know, diagnosis of cancer or, um, you know, whatever it may be. I know that there are people who have passed away um, much earlier than what they imagined. So I don't know how true that is. But but here's the point I'm trying to make. He said he received those two words. One was focus and one was sanctification. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down. This is a leadership podcast and just say um, focus and personal mastery, focus and personal mastery. This is a man who, unless he defies the odds, defies expectations, this is a man who will probably be, and it's, it's sad to think that because he has I've never met the person, but I'll tell you, he has touched my life. And I know he's touched thousands of lives, maybe millions even, because of his speaking and his, um, his, his steadiness in one community, his consistency in one community. He's reached many, many, many people. And this is a person that probably within the next two to three years will be, uh, he'll be no more. And that, that, again, that is just shocking to me. There was a, a time in my life when I would wake up every single day and listen to him. You know, again, I was trying to find my way back to faith. I, I struggled a little bit. And his words, there was something about how he taught it. And again, his name is Tim Keller, uh, K-E-L-L-E-R, Tim Keller, if you want to look him up. But there's something about his words that, that really brought me back into uh, my own uh, journey of faith. So, so this is going to be sad. I was fascinated with these two words. Number one, my life words, at least right now, are focus and consistency. I'm really working in my life about being focused. How do I focus my life down? I tend to be the kind of person that can be all over the place. And, you know, um, it's it's like that saying, um, jack of all trades, master of none. But the more I study really successful people, highly successful people, they're very focused people. And and I know a lot of people who are kind of jack of all trades. and, And I look at at the end of their life, they didn't really have much to show for it. And that's not what I want to do. So I've really learned how to focus. I'm learning how to focus my life in and say, okay, what are my top priorities and how do I give everything to those? And then this idea of personal mastery is a little bit new to me. Again, we've talked about this on the podcast, but it's a little bit new um, for me, this idea of intentionally going after personal mastery. And one of the things we talked about, and you can go back and listen to the episode, so I won't I won't uh, belabor you with what personal mastery is. I've defined it enough in the past few episodes. Um, But the most important aspect is that it is a lifelong journey, a lifelong um, walk, a lifelong process um, to reaching your full and highest potential. It doesn't happen just right away. So it was interesting to me, and this is the point I'm trying to make, that a man who was faced with death, literally, okay, we are all faced with it. It's all coming towards us at some point or another. He knows that it's coming, which in some ways might be a gift because it might be, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to know that you're going to die one day. Um, and then what happens is we kind of waste our time, you know, all kinds of things. So we know it's coming one day, but like in my mind, I have on my vision board, I'm going to live to be 100 years of age. So for me, it's like, I've, I've got all the time in the world. Right. And um, I think that I'm 42. So I've got, well, it's less than 60 years, but I still, I still have, if I live to be a hundred years of age, 
I have more days ahead of me than I have behind me. Now, I may not live to be 100. I, I believe I'm going to. But the average lifespan, I think, for a, a male in the USA might be, I don't know, 73, 74, 75, 77. I think I saw that somewhere, 76 or 77. So if that's the case, then I actually have fewer days ahead of me than I have behind me. So that's a little bit sobering. But this man knows he's got two to three years at best, at best, to live his life. And the two words that came to him, focus. Now, what did he mean when he said this? Uh, It's not necessarily this idea of being focused in on work, but he said, my life is more laser focused now on what it it needs to be focused in on. Whereas before, when you think you have all the time in the world, and, and this is what he was saying, you tend to say yes to all the things that everybody else wants you to do. And those things that you were called to do, again, that's kind of a Christian evangelical world, those things that lie within your purpose, those things that lie within your area of responsibility, what you believe that you were born to do, what you are doing. Again, I I had a great conversation the other day with some of my students and somebody brought up the point that, you know, there there probably is not, you know, not, not everyone believes that there's this great purpose of why we were born. I disagree, but that's me and other people have their own, their own views. Uh, but one of the the things that I shared with 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 my students the other day, I said, or, or with the class, I said, even if you don't believe that there's some higher purpose for you, which is fine, it's fine for you to believe that. Um, this idea of focus means to whatever it is in front of you that's most important to you right now to give your life to that. So this is what Tim Keller was saying at the end of his life. He's coming to the end of his life, maybe a little bit quicker than he imagined. He knows it's coming. Faced with death death every single day, he's saying, one of the primary words for me is this idea of focus. What am I going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? And, And he has said that it's much easier to say no now because a lot of people know about his diagnosis. And so very few people are are calling him for things that might take him away from what's most important. Now, he didn't talk or I didn't I didn't get to the end of the podcast where he talked, you know, about what's most important. I'm guessing for him, it's probably his family. He's talked about his wife, whose name is Kathy, and how if you feel sorry about anything, if he feels bad about anything, it's the fact that he. Uh, will potentially leave her behind. Um, you know, he believes because he's an evangelical Christian that there is a heaven waiting for him. But what makes him sad is this lifetime partnership he has with his wife and leaving her, her, her behind. So my guess is one of his focuses is going to be spending as much time with her and his kids and grandchildren as possible. That doesn't matter. That will It matters to him, obviously. The point for you is this. Where is your focus at? What's most important? And we're listening to a man who's faced with death much quicker than what what he imagined. And he's saying, my focus needs to be, um, one of my primary focuses is focus. So it's saying yes to the things that I know that I'm meant to do and leaving everything else behind. And then the other one is, and I was blown away by this, sanctification, which again, uh, you know, translate that into normal speak. And it means personal mastery, reaching the highest um, reaching your highest potential in life. And I would say leadership for those of you who are leaders out there. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I know that I've been on my own personal journey and there are two things that I'm really trying to tackle right now in my own life. Now, this all seems so small when speaking about someone who is looking at, uh, he's facing death um, 
in the face. So what I'm going to say seems really small compared to that, but I'm on this, this journey myself of saying, Hey, uh, I'm really trying to master my life. You know, uh, I'm in my forties now and soon I'll be in my fifties. Uh, you know, I've still got eight years or seven years, seven and a half years, whatever, but soon I'll be there and I'll be in my sixties and I'll be in my seventies. And so I have, uh, you know, a short window of time to get some things done. So I want to focus my life. And, and two of my greatest distractions have been, um, I tend to stay up way too late at nighttime and m- my mind is constantly racing, constantly racing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm learning to embrace meditation and some of those things and even reading that, that does a great thing. Uh, journaling at nighttime, you know, last night, um, um, my daughter went to bed and I still was, and I needed to go to bed as well, but my mind was racing. And I, I, I got out the computer and just started journaling. And, and about you know, 45 minutes into that, my mind is kind of eased. I'm, I'm throwing out all the things in my mind and I'm putting them on paper in front of me. And so I'm able to, to, to sit down, but this idea of going to bed earlier, you know, because I know I perform better when I get more sleep at night and then social media has been, which with social media, I'm not anti-social media at all. I'm, I'm never going to be the person who rages against it. But I think if we're not careful, it can be a major distraction for so many people. Um, there are so many benefits to it, but it can also, and I know for me, I find myself, hey, I need to post something. I need to post this video. I need to post these words of advice. And then two hours later, after I've scrolled through Instagram and Twitter and CNN, I'm, I'm, I'm big on CNN and MSNBC, New York Times. I have a subscription to the New York Times and I love to scroll through their stuff and, um, you know, Facebook and see what everybody else is doing. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to rid my life of those things. Uh, that's for me. That doesn't have to be for you. But here's the point I'm trying to make. There's a dying man out there, and he says at the end of his life, and he's staring it down with courage, with grace, with humility, with strength. And what he said, the two words that have come to him are this idea of focus and sanctification, which means personal mastery. And I thought that was really impressive. And I wanted to pass that on to you today. You, you and I are... are we're staring death in the face. It may not be for another 20 years. It might be 30 years. It might be 40 years. It might be 50 years. I don't know what it might be for you. And you don't know, but we've listened to a guy. I've listened to a person. That's what I'm sharing with you. A person who has said, these are my two focuses. And one is focus. What is most important to me? What am I going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? And the second thing is this idea of sanctification, which means personal mastery. And, and his exact words were he would he he believed, and he believed that he believes that God is saying to him, I'm not going to take you out with a heart attack or a car accident because you have not reached, again, using Christian words, you have not reached your highest level of holiness, which means you've not reached this idea of your your full and highest potential becoming more like Christ that's what sanctification is so translate that out you've not reached your full and highest potential so he's being allowed to know that hey i've got a year two years left so that means you can focus your life in on what matters most to you and also becoming uh a person who reaches their full and highest potential which again i think he would say in some ways is a gift now you and i are not facing i don't I don't believe so. There might be somebody listening to this who is, but we may not necessarily be facing death square in the face, but I want to ask you, what is your focus and how are you working towards personal mastery every single day? And personal mastery means overcoming your subconscious mind, 
overcoming your fears, overcoming all those things that hold you back. How are you working towards personal mastery today? And what are you focused on? And are you saying no to all those things that are keeping you from doing what you are meant to do? And I believe this. I believe this. And it could be because of my evangelical background. It could be because of the opportunities that were afforded to me. But I believe that we were all born for a reason. You were. I was. And so we've got to learn how to say no to certain things so that we can achieve our full and highest potential. We've got to learn to focus. And I think everything that he said that Tim Keller said, this idea of focus and sanctification, focus and personal mastery, they go hand in hand. We will never become uh, highly mastered people if our lives are all over the place and our attention is all over the place and we're constantly looking at what everyone else is doing, which is what social media is. And again, I'm not ragging against social media. There's so many benefits to having social media. But if we're not careful and we get wrapped up into that, then we're just constantly looking around at what everybody else is doing and we're missing what's right in front of us and we're missing the impact that we could be making for other people. So lesson from a dying man, and we're all dying. He just happens to know when he's going. Focus and personal mastery. At the end of his life, he believes what his focus needs to be is his focus and his personal mastery. You may have some more time. You may have more days ahead of you. Are you focused on what you're supposed to be focused on? And are you focused on personal mastery? I'll see you in the next episode.